Hi, I'm Tom Merritt. Welcome to Sword and Laser. Unfortunately, my co-host Veronica Belmont is still traveling, but this weekend I had the pleasure of heading to the Nebula Awards in San Jose, California. Josh Lawrence, our amazing theme composer as well as Goodreads moderator, joined me and we got to talk to some great authors. We're going to be sprinkling those interviews in the off weeks for the next few months. Well, for about a month. We got four of them. The first one we're going to start with is Anne Leckie. Uh, We got her to drop by mere hours before it was announced that her novel, Ancillary Justice, uh, took home the Nebula Award for Best Novel over the weekend. So keep that in mind as we see who's about to drop by. Well, we are here at the Nebula Awards, and Anne Leckie has stopped by. Thank you for coming, Anne. Thank you for having me. Uh, We talked to Anne on Sword and Laser uh, several months ago, but since then... Uh, she has gotten the Arthur C. Clarke Award for Best Science Fiction Novel of the Year, the British Science Fiction Association BSFA Award for Best Novel of 2013, the Kitschies Golden Tentacle for being progressive, intelligent, and entertaining, uh, nominated for numerous other awards, including Nebula and Hugo. And our first question comes from Ben. Are you sick of all the plaudits and acclaim yet? <laughs> no. In a word, no, I'm not. I, I've been asked that question before, actually. One of my editors said, are you bored with this yet? I'm like... Not actually, no. It's yeah. going to be overwhelming, though. I it's mean, it's when surreal. When did we talk? It was... I'm the, trying to remember. In the spring, maybe? I think it might year? have been. So less than a year. Yeah. Maybe just over, yeah. yeah. Just a couple, really a couple of months. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then award season hit, right? Yes. Right. Wait, and we talked this year. Yeah, yeah, we talked this yeah, year. It was yeah, not that long ago. It should have been yeah. a year, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> An awful lot has been packed into those couple of months. Right, yes. we read Ancillary Justice in what, February? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so yeah. I, I can't even keep track of the time. I can't imagine how you feel. It's, it's really amazing. I still, I kind of feel like I'm hallucinating, right? <laughs> you will wake up at any moment yes. and be like, oh. It was all a dream. <laughs> they tell you never to end your novel that way, but this one's going to end like that. <laughs> but this is your life. Yeah. Right? Um, well, congratulations. Thank you. It's totally uh, well-deserved. What do these awards do for an author? Aside from the good feeling of being recognized, are there other more direct benefits? That's a really interesting question, and it's kind of a contentious one, I think. There's been a lot of discussion about what the purpose of awards is and what does it mean when an award says it's for the best of a best novel or whatever. Um, there's some debate about whether there's any sales increase. It's hard to say. Um, so I'm not sure I really know the answer. Uh, it's certainly a reputation booster. Uh, I know that in the UK, it's being published in the UK and the US simultaneously, and in the UK they're sending it back to the printers so they can put the Arthur C. Clarke Award winner medal on there. So very clearly they expect that to have a sales boost, right? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah and I've heard that there's uh, at least some kind of boost with the Hugo like things will stay in print longer, maybe there'll be some kind of a sales bump. But I don't know if that's the case or not. So from, from my angle, this is like completely just reputation enhancing and, mm-hmm. and like ego boosting. Sure, which isn't a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing. But it, I think it's a really good question, and I'm not sure anybody's really sat down and come up with a good answer. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sandy wanted to know if the success of Ancillary Justice has affected you and your writing in any way. It's, it's kind of weird, actually, because when I wrote Ancillary Justice, 
only a couple of my friends knew that I was writing it. And some of them saw bits of it. And But it's very different from then Ancillary Justice comes out and people like it and I'm working on Ancillary Sword and I can see people on the internet saying, oh, I really hope or I can't wait to see in the next one. And I'm like, I'm still writing it. And maybe I am or am not doing what different people are saying they're guessing or hoping will be in the next novel. And, and, and that gets complicated because I want to tell the story I want to tell, but at the same time, I want readers to be happy. And so there's a real strong impulse to, oh, you want that to happen? Maybe I should put that in. And I go, oh, wait, no, wait, wait, no. Right. <laughs> Stop and think. What do I really want to do? You know, so it, that's kind of weird. Have you, have you done anything where you say, no, actually, that's a good idea and it fits? Yes, uh-huh. yes, actually, there has been, although it hasn't been something that I've acted on. Um, I ran across somebody who said something about, actually, I found it very touching, about uh, Breck as a character and saying that they had read her as asexual. Mm-hmm. And um, I probably shouldn't even say this in the podcast. Uh, and that had been something I hadn't thought about a lot with that character. She just kind of is who she is. And the person said uh, that uh, I got the impression that they were they really enjoyed seeing somebody who they could identify with on that level and that uh, they'd be very upset if she turned out not to be, if, if I made her not at the end of the thing, but that they trusted me to not do that to them. Uh-huh. And on the one hand, I was like, boy, what a weight to put on me. At the same time, that was really very touching because that's a kind of trust that, you know, when you read somebody and you have that kind of trust in them, that's a really, you know, you know, I know what that's that is from, connection. yeah, I know what that is from a reader's perspective. And to be an author and have somebody say that to go, oh, oh, I mean, that really, yeah, that was really very touching. And, and then I said, you know, that's something I really have to think about. Yeah. I have to think about that issue and really consider how I want to deal with it and really consider the question of what is it that readers are are connecting to with this character and what do I want to do? So that was something that, yeah, yeah. something that I've really been thinking about. Well, and it puts you in a position where you have to have a very good reason for doing any, either, whatever direction. You yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I think that that's kind of interesting. A lot of times, uh, sometimes you'll run across someone who says, well, uh, it's okay to have a gay character, for instance, if there's a reason for it in the plot. But, in fact, you need a reason for any choice you make. It's just we're used to thinking of particular choices as being it's default. Being for you. Yeah, right. exactly. But they're not. They all really need some kind of a reason. So, yeah. Well, you have a character we've been talking about who uses the pronoun she for everything, and you pulled it off very well. Any other tricks up your sleeve literarily? Probably, but I don't know. I can understand not wanting to reveal them, even if you... Are you, you, yeah. you going to go Georges Perec and write a novel without ease on us? No, I'm not. I'm, oh, my gosh. No, no periods at the ends of sentences. No. And, in fact, when I did that, I didn't think of it as being a huge trick, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, but it's the thing that everybody has found... Not everybody, but many people have found to be really distinctive and has really uh, resonated with them. And uh, I said, wow, that's very innovative. And I was like, well, Grandmaster Chip Delaney did something like that and stars in my pocket like grains of sand, oh, right? That's on my to read. I haven't read it yet. Oh, you yeah. haven't read that? Uh-huh. I read it back in college, well, a mm-hmm. long time ago. Uh, but he does the same thing. Everybody's she, unless mm-hmm. you're sexually attracted to them, in which case they're he, right? Okay. And so it has nothing to do with, you know, 
gender of any sort. Mm. And uh, so really it's not all that innovative, right? And so uh, when I hear, or, or the, the multi Left hand of darkness. Left hand of darkness, yeah. When, when I hear, oftentimes people will say, oh, the multiple viewpoint thing with a single character was... And I'm like, well, actually, I just kind of sat down and wrote everything out as it... <laughs> You know, wow, that was really some. Somebody called it an interview. They said it was stunt writing, and I was like, "Oh, I'm, gosh, I'm much more virtuosic than I thought I was." Right? <laughs> so, so when you say, "Do I have more literary tricks up my sleeve?" I'm like, "Well, I didn't think I had any up my sleeve." Well, to begin I, think with. I think that's she was why. wearing a tank top. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why they worked so well, even if you call them tricks or not, because they flowed organically out From, of the story, and they were essential to it. It wasn't something where like. You were doing this fancy trick to dazzle the reader. It was yeah. I was just trying to get the story down on paper. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, it's it's one of those things where the fact that you were just telling the story the way you wanted to tell, based on your own inspirations, I think is is even. I don't even say more impressive, but it's to me very valuable because it shows that you were just following a a line of writing, not trying to, you know, like with George Perec, I made the joke, he set out to write a book without ease. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. he just, you know, found himself in a position to do that. So to me, there's something, I don't want to say more pure because I don't think what George Perec did was bad, but there's, there's something more holistic to, to the way you approached it, where you didn't really think of it as, oh, I want to, I want to do a stunt. Yeah. You said this is going to help me tell my story. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you mean, but at the same time, my, my sort of personal philosophy is whatever the thing is that you feel is the thing you need to write, and if the thing, if you really feel like the thing that interests you is writing with no ease, then that's... Yes. You know, and uh, but sometimes I get frustrated with advice to young writers uh, of the sort like, well, editors don't like stuff in second person, or you shouldn't have this kind of multi POV thing, or avoid head hopping. Uh, and sometimes I'll see discussions where people will say, well, I want to do this, but so and so has said that I can't do that or that I won't be able to sell that and so I have to and that can make me very frustrated because I feel very much like no if that's what you want to do screw what people say editors want because in the end half the time editors don't know what they want until they see it and so if you can pull it off you should just sit down and write what what your vision is right that's Yeah, I feel like what the editors are really saying is most of the time when we pe- see people try this, they fail. Not right. don't ever do it. It's sort of it's sort of a challenge, if you will. Yeah, and I think a lot of times too, the stuff that comes in that has that they're not conscious of how to use that particular tool, and so it's only one of several problems with it. But it's mm-hmm. the most obvious problem, and so sure. you can say, "Look, this is really awkward," but it's not actually the thing that's making it not work, right? Yeah. Uh, Sandy has a question about Ancillary Sword. Uh, what can you tell us about it? When Do we have a date? Do October 7th. October 7th. Uh, so the non-spoilery pitch? The non-spoilery pitch. There's actually back cover copy, and I should have come I'll in. I'll just read the back cover. And yeah, put the, it in post. Yeah, the, there's back <laughs> cover copy. Um, uh, but basically, uh, so Anandrami and I has given Brett command of a ship. Uh, and has sent her somewhere, but there's really only one place she could possibly send her that she'll actually go, which is the system where Lieutenant On's sister is. And so she's going to go there no matter what and supposedly secure it for that particular kind of an under, but obviously Breck has no enthusiasm for that, right? And so that's, 
Yeah. I, th- I just got excited to read it just with that little tip. <laughs> <laughs> started bringing back. I'm like, oh, right. That's yeah. All right, so it's an Imperial Rats trilogy. Are, will, will you for sure stop at three? Any other worlds you're considering exploring? Um, that's an interesting... Questions. That's <laughs> two separate questions. Uh, I want to stop with bracket three. I do not want to be in a situation where I'm endlessly sort of rehashing the same character. Um, on the other hand, this universe is very large, uh, and so probably... I'm not sure what I'm doing after this. Uh, if I'm doing sci-fi, I'll probably do something else in the universe, but in a very different area of it because it's very it's very wide canvas on purpose. So I can mm-hmm. go very t- different times and places. So, yeah, because there were a lot of tidbits of that we saw just in that first book of of like the religion or mythology of X world that we just got the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's other worlds. There's worlds outside the Rutch that we just Mm -hmm. don't see, right? And all kinds of history. And yeah, so I could kind of pick from any of those and have a very different kind of a book. Yeah. But do you think you'll, it sounds like you'll stay in that universe. Probably, probably. But I I would want to hopefully write something that was a different sort of, different sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, This next question you sort of touched on a little bit when we were talking earlier, Uh, but you're, you're coming to the author's circuit with fresh eyes right now. This is kind of your first tour around like the Nebula Awards and, and, and kind of, things yeah. like this. Oh, I was Secretary of Sifwa for one year. Okay. So I was actually here at the Nebulas last year, oh, okay. but not as a nominee. I was here as a board member of gotcha. Sifwa. And so that, that was a lot of fun because I could enjoy all the parties and not be nervous about anything at all. Right. And yeah. How, what are your observations coming here now as someone who has to be nervous? <laughs> I'm not terribly nervous, I have to admit. Um, because I was just telling someone... Uh, you know, people ask me, do I think I'll win? And I'm like, I don't care if I win because I've, I mean, look, I'm on the ballot. Look, look at the novels that I'm next to right there. How awesome is that? So in a lot of ways, it isn't really very, well, it kind of is because I'm having interviews with people, for sure. instance. Uh, my time is very scheduled this time. Last time I went to a board meeting and then the rest of the time I was walking around the lobby looking for people to hang with. You know how you do right, at a convention, right? right. right? Yeah, yeah. And this time... I've hardly seen the lobby except in passing on my way to appointments with this person. And yeah, so that's very different and that's very strange. Yeah. Well, outside of those appointments, if you can escape from the schedule, uh, what authors are you most excited about getting a chance to meet and talk to? That's, you know, well, you know, that's another thing. Since I was on the board of, of SIFWA and I was you the already. secretary, I've met. Right. It was amazing. It would be like, I'd get an email and I'd be like, that's David Brin. David Brin just sent me an email, <laughs> you know, and... Yeah, so I met a lot of people just doing that. Yeah, so most of the people here I've actually already kind of met in passing. Yeah. Right. Uh, We asked you this before, I think, uh, but you have a few months and a few rewards under your belt now. Uh, Any... What, what are your tips now? Are they any different for aspiring writers? Because I'm sure a lot of people out there are saying, you know, I want to do, I want to do that too. I want to have only two friends reading my book and then, you know, and then go later, to have a published book that's a success. So that part of it, the having it published and having it be a success, is something that you have no control over, none whatsoever. Um, and so my advice would be, as I said before, think about what you want to write what's the thing if there's something you want to say what is it you want to say if there's something you want to do what is it you want to do and then sit down and figure out the best way to do that and don't worry 
as, mu- as much as possible. You always worry writers are neurotic. That's just how it is. Um, don't worry too much about whether editors like it or whether it's in style. Just worry about doing it the best that you possibly can. And then once you've done it and polished it up, send it out and go on to the next thing because you can, you can control what you put into the work and you can control what you're doing and your skill you can't control how anybody else receives it or what the results of it are. So then another skill to cultivate is being able to just let it go. Say, it's out into the world, I'm submitting it. That's, you know, that will be as it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how much, I, and I know we asked you this before, but how much writing did you do before Ancillary Justice got published? Before, okay, so writing was one of those things that I always kind of wanted to do, and you know, very, my parents, various people, oh, you'd be a great writer, you know. Um, and I was like, wouldn't that be cool? And I'd try on and off and not do much. Uh, but it was in, I think, 2002 that I did NaNoWriMo, which was a great experience. So I wrote a whole novel, and the next year I did NaNoWriMo again and wrote a whole other novel. Uh, and I actually polished up and tried to submit that first novel, and it was rejected by everybody. Now I totally understand why, right? Yeah. But at the time, I was like, this is pretty good, right? Um, that's the other, you can't see your own work, so you just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing short stories, uh, partly because the turnaround's faster. You don't work for a year on a short story and then wait for years for it to come back, right? right. So I actually published, what, a dozen, maybe a dozen and a half short stories uh, before I went back to noveling. Uh, so I've been writing other stuff and kind of, you know, working on things. And this is sort of a return to noveling for me. But, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Well, and I, I think what sticks out to me there is is you've got a good 10 years plus yeah. of just plugging away at it. Uh, and, and we ask so many authors this question. And I, I feel like just piecing together little pieces, like Bob Salvatore says, don't write unless you can't not write. Uh, you know, and I know what he's getting at, which yeah. is like... Yeah, you know. I, would, I would quibble with it. I know what he's saying. I, in some ways, I feel that's maybe sort of discouraging sure. to the... Because there's like a compulsive thing, and then there's the not to the level of compulsive, but you're not happy with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would want to encourage the people who are... They're not feeling compulsive, but they really want to do it. But I know exactly what you're saying, because if, if you're not really invested in it, it's not worth the slog. Because you're not, you're not getting validation from anybody. It's not... It's not coming in from anywhere, and you have to totally maybe find a few friends and kind of hold yourself up, and it can be very emotionally hard. So if you're going to do it, you need to be prepared for that. Well, and that's what I took out of what he said, which is be, be, don't be, you're going to be bad for a long time. That is the truth, <laughs> and you're not going to see it. it that's, yeah. In fact, I, I feel like the authors that I've talked to, they only started to get good when they started to feel bad, like their writing was bad. That's, when they started to recognize what was wrong. I think that's absolutely the case. And I think some of that is done in Kruger, of course, which is the, you know, about mm-hmm. the, their paper that the worse you were at something, the better you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And as you start to get better, you start to see that you're not, but then you, you're already neurotic as a writer. You're already afraid that you stink. And then when you start seeing signs that maybe you're not as good as you thought you were, then you start going, oh, God, I stink. I'm terrible. I'm a failure. Yeah, it can be really hard to write through that. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, and, uh, and that's when you're getting those 10,000 hours in. That's right? when you're getting the 10,000 hours in, yeah, and those are really important. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully people who really do want to write just keep writing. Yes, um, I, by all means. And I actually think, you know, the interesting thing is you can publish 
like you can self-publish. These it may days, not be yes. Successful. That's a whole separate thing. But you could at least, if you're willing to brave it, get it out there in front of people and get some feedback. You totally. And a few people. I know a lot of people. Uh, are really into you can be way more successful self-publishing you can but there are not a million Hugh Howies out there there's one Hugh Howie right and a couple other people making pretty good and then a whole bunch of people not doing anything but if that's what's gonna if that's what's gonna answer that for you then maybe that's the way to go yeah Yeah. and it it may help some people get over that hump Mm -hmm. you bet absolutely any other questions from you, Josh? Did you say? All right. Well, Anne, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Uh, Ancillary Sword. When when is it coming out again? October seventh. October seventh. And if you haven't read Ancillary Justice, what's wrong with you? Go read it. Uh, where can folks find you online? Um, at annlecky dot com. No oh. underscores or anything. No e in the Anne. That's a common typo. Save the e for the lecky. Save the e for the lecky. A n n l e c k i e. You need two. Yes, you need two E's in the Lucky. All right, and Lucky.com. Thanks again, Anne. Thank you.